0: Welcome to the Friday Workplace Briefing. Workplace law changes so quickly. Tune in weekly to find out how the law is changing and what you need to do.
1: Good morning, Nina.
0: Morning, Andrew.
1: Our huddle's a bit smaller today, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I'm still refusing to call it that. but yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Kim, of course, is looking after children, which she does every Friday, even though we try and seduce her to come into work. <laughs> Needs crook. And Lockie hey. is out there working his guts out, so he won't come in here either. So it's <laughs> Nina and I. Welcome, everybody. I just want to stop to say thanks, really. We we have hundreds of you come along every every week to listen and watch and tolerate us and sensory questions and stuff, and we really appreciate <laughs> it. But to the guys, I, I don't know if anyone quite understands how much work goes into doing it. If you could see over there with Nina's paper spread, <laughs> one into the couch the other, you'd understand that there's about 20 hours of work that sits behind that. Nina, Matt, Neith, Lockie, Soph does. Kim as well. So it's a
0: And you too, Andrew.
1: Yeah, occasionally okay. I do. A little yeah. bit of work. A little work for you. bit of work from me. <laughs> so thank you to everyone. So let's get started. We've got quite an interesting agenda today. And I, I want to sort of paint a bit of picture of what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about the psychological injury regulations, but I want to talk about them in a particular context because 80% of the people who watch us come from a safety or HR background. And so what we're going to talk about. A lot today is the responsibilities that sit around in the first half at a safety and HR practitioner. What happens if they don't take the role of an advocate and leader in psychological safety? Is there personal risk? Just so you're wondering, the answer is yes. And the second part of it, that really awkward thing that happens where people operationally become sick of someone, they've never managed them properly and they turn up and present them to you, either to the safety or HR person. Give an
0: ultimatum. Give an ultimatum. Mm -hmm.
1: I want this person out and you look at it and you go, there's no documentation. The person obviously has been bad and never managed properly, but what they're asking to do is just not a proper thing to do. It's bad for the values of the business. It's probably going to fail. (laughs) And does it create risk for you? And the answer is yes again. 100%. So, look, let's just kick off, and what I want to do at the beginning is to tell you there's a the first case that's come for multiple contraventions case, serious contravention case under the Fair Work Act, which is where an employer and an individual employer does such reprehensible behaviour with knowledge and deliberate unlawful behaviour that the court will wrap it all up in what's called a serious contravention, and that has ten times the sort of penalty.
0: Yeah,
1: $660,000. Yeah, so let's talk about BASI, and you'll understand the other thing we're going to talk about is vulnerable workers today because of the Victorian code that's been refreshed and of course the serious injury in that context. So let's over to you, Bazzi, brief.
0: All right. I'll not channel Matt. All right. So this was a horrible, horrible case. The director, I think, owned two Indian restaurants and the employees were two chefs. So he basically underpaid them grossly under the award, but also did things like didn't let them take breaks and forced them to pay back their wages, saying it was for loans for their taxes he had to pay and 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 visa applications. It's a horrible, horrible. Stuff and yet, when it went to court, not only did he lie about it, he tried to falsify the timesheets and made up all his documentation about these false loans to cover up his tracks.
1: So, $113,000 worth of fine for him as an individual, 600 dollars
0: so, wasn't that? that that he's up for? They haven't announced it yet, but it's
1: oh, sorry, probably going it. to be really high. Yeah, yeah. so look, one we're telling you in this case. And the answer is, when Matt and I have done reviews of a number of enterprise agreements, and Nina and I have looked at problems around award compliance, it's not uncommon for us to find an ops manager who's in place, is trying to get widgets out at a particular price and rate and therefore doesn't pay call-in and payments, doesn't properly enter in the log of what is the overtime amount. Tell people to
0: skip breaks. Yeah, skip breaks.
1: All those sort of things. Now... This is the first ever case since the Act came in, okay, so 2009. But it is a warning shot because that type of behaviour in its cumulative amount of unlawfulness, particularly the failure to enter in data correctly and do those sort of things, that type of stuff, it happens, can I tell you? Oh, and for, for Matt and I, probably the, out of the last 10 EAs we've looked at, three or four of the operations managers said, oh, don't worry about that, we do this. So it was a breach with knowledge and it damaged vulnerable workers in each case. Now, vulnerable workers in Australia, since COVID, it's become very clear that in the lowest paid, dirtiest, most difficult jobs, casual overseas workers where English is not their first language are the target of this sort of exploitation. Yeah. Okay? And that's the very sort of thing this piece of legislation is there to protect. Yeah. And what we've seen very recently is the refresh of the 2008 Code of Conduct dealing with these vulnerable employees where English is not a first language. Yep. So talk about that.
0: Yeah, so Victoria has recently introduced or reintroduced, I guess, a new 32-page code on how to communicate OHS and WHS obligations to employees where English is not their first language, and it's always existed since 2008 and yet no one seems to know about this
1: yeah so this isn't like you're a leader and you get an interpreter in place no one of the lovely things about this code is it gives very specific examples of how you behave as a leader and that's the other thing Nina and i want to talk about is do you notice something for hr people and for safety people what is happening there's no division anymore
0: no too many hats
1: yeah this is a people-based issue And therefore, both HR and safety must know these obligations because their leadership and communication. They are positive obligations that rest upon you as an employer when you are dealing with people, when English is not a first language. And when we look at our major clients, particularly in the food industry, what we see is interpreters in place, but training, inductions, everything done is sometimes in pidgin English, but never in the language of the person and never followed through in the language of the person.
0: There's no checking that they are competent in what they're being trained on. It's just assumed. It really is setting so it's it for Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. This, Matt, stand and forget. Well done.
0: I promise, Matt. I must so, <laughs> get in there. So, look,
1: for Victoria, that's really important. By the way, remember the fact that something that like that exists in Victoria can it be used elsewhere. Yes, yes. it is something that a court can take into consideration elsewhere. And it's probably time just to throw over to Safer Work Australia which has published its most recent.
0: Code of Practice.
1: Code of Practice, which, by the way, let's be clear about it, unless it's adopted, it's just a piece of evidence that sits out there that can be drawn upon, say, in Victoria where the regulations haven't been published and it's a bit of a Gumby one compared to the New South Wales and Victorian one, but talk about WA one, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I just want to be clear. The codes of practice aren't like the regulations, so they aren't law. They are practical guidance, but like Andrew said, the courts and the regulators can use them as evidence of what is reasonably practicable. But, look, I've done a really deep dive into all three of them so that you all wouldn't have to, and they're all pretty similar in, you know, what is a psychological hazard, we've talked about this to death things like poor work design and how you're supposed to assess review monitor controls but the key differences between them all Can we just
1: just step back for a oh, second sorry. so there's four there's four <laughs> yeah new south wales western australia victoria regulations and Safe yes, Australia. Yes. but the, the key issue sorry i wanted to put in that is this is not about physical safety
0: no, so no, it's this, all about this, psychological
1: this, health. Yeah, this is about leadership and how you lead, which is mm. our beginning comment today. Mm. This is the obligation of you, HR and safety people, to know the competency that leaders must have in executing because these are all about how people lead people to make their workplace psychologically safe. Now, I've talked straight across, Nina's going to beat me up for that, <laughs> but i will back to you now. <laughs>
0: Well, (laughs) yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that comes out of the WA code the focus on leadership. Because a lot of people assume, look, if I'm across the regulations or the codes of practice, then that's fine. That is leadership. I just need to check in with employees now and then. But that code of practice makes it clear that that's not enough. So you really should be setting by example and modeling the behavior for employees. That includes making sure you are trained to know exactly what what are psychological hazards, and also ensuring that you are maintaining a culture where it is a safe workplace. If you see unreasonable behaviours, are you cracking down on that so that your employees see it is a safe place to raise their concerns and ensure that it will be dealt with. New South Wales goes a bit further and focuses on a real individualised approach. So you can't just slap a control across the entire organisation and ensure that it fixes everyone. Every individual experiences and perceives psychological hazards differently. Kim would reinforce that. That's very clear through workers' comp claims. And if you aren't targeting your controls, looking at the work design, you're also not doing enough. It very closely aligns with the new Victorian regulations, which still haven't come out. No, no,
1: we're, we're still waiting through the 150 yeah, comments.
0: Yeah,
1: It will come out, and it will come out in the same form. But, look, let's just stay where we are for a minute, okay? We, we didn't quite mean to go on for as long <laughs> as we are, but I guess it's because Nina and I feel that this is badly misunderstood. Harassment, discrimination, sexual harassment, those things. Violence, yeah, or yeah. violence. They're all well understood. They fall under general duties very comfortably. Everybody knows what they are. They know the legislation that sits around it. These regulations and codes deal squarely with leadership behaviour towards individuals in the workplace in the way you design and manage their work. And they give some terrific examples, which, yeah. I, I mean, they, it's good reading too, Because, but as HR and safety managers, if you don't educate people... You see things that are wrong, you do nothing to advocate it, there is a liability risk that comes towards you because you are the parties who must understand as the leaders of it. Yeah. Okay?
0: That's why even though it's in different jurisdictions, you still should be aware of them because they are slight nuances like we discussed and they're all still relevant as to what is reasonably practiced.
1: So let's get the map of Australia up. So so we've got a map of Australia and it shows...
0: And it will be sent out as well. It'll be sent out, Yeah. yeah.
1: In the meantime, what we'll talk about while the map of Australia is weaving its way through us is um, Farrell and Pacific is a case which we've, we've stuck on today for a very simple reason. Farrell is a case which talks about what happens when an incident arises and people take remedial action afterwards and does that remedial action mean you get out of jail? That you don't get convicted, and of course we don't need to go through the facts. But what the court said is no, no, it goes to <laughs> mitigation, so it's a good thing to do. Yeah, um, you definitely should still do it. Definitely yeah. do it, but it's not. Doesn't mean if I race and get everything fixed afterwards, I won't be convicted. What it does mean is there'll be a significant mitigation in what you do. Do not believe the people who say, "Be sneaky about it." Don't do it because you will get caught if you rem- if you do remediate it, because obviously. If someone gets injured for the same reason, you're off to jail. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah. But secondly, we're here to stop people getting hurt.
0: But also, there's a proper way to do it. So you definitely engage a safety consultant under privilege. Don't go around and do it yourself because WorkSafe can access all that information and it might actually aggravate the charges. Yeah,
1: because normally what happens when something's gone wrong, it's not just the incident. There's a system that sits behind that WorkSafe or the regulator would never know about unless they got your report or your incident form. So we'll talk about that another time, but let's move on to our next topic. Okay, so we're going to talk to you a little bit about TOR and CleanWay, and we're going to talk about it for a very good reason, And, (laughs) and that is I think out of the last 20 or 30 cases that we've dealt with in unfair dismissals and adverse actions where we've had risk, they've all been when operations have presented to HR or safety or both, this shit sandwich of something. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's driving us crazy. we just got to get rid of them yeah. and they've just gone, but well, I, well, we don't know anything about this.
0: Yeah. There's no late.
1: documentation. They say, we've been managing, they're just really difficult people. We want them out. They've come in 20 minutes late and you go, yeah, well, lots of people come in 20 minutes late. Mm. What do you do about it? And we thought we'd talk about the types of things when it goes wrong. Tour and Cleanway is a great story of a business that had two sets of rules.
0: And did everything wrong. <laughs> yeah,
1: well but that's when I say bad things like that. Yeah. You know, so they had a set of rules they had on the wall and in the yeah. and in the folders. And then because they're a business that required people to work really fast constantly, there was the practice which had nothing to do with the rules. And yeah. then somebody put their hand up. To talk. <laughs> and Nina, what did he do?
0: Well, he asked to convert, which was his right to permanent employment. And his supervisor said, Oh, are you sure you want to do that? There's consequences from every action. That's the exact words that he said to him. Then, right after that, they reduced his hours by 24 hours a week. Said it. He just needed to due to rostering. Didn't reduce. And COVID. Yeah, didn't reduce anyone else's um, during that time of the lockdowns, and then did a random audit, Andrew, yeah. of just him.
1: <laughs> Which was obviously random because he's the person who raised the concern.
0: I know. Then they did find that he'd been falsifying timesheets and skipping breaks, and then fired him for misconduct.
1: Can I just say, and the reason he'd been doing that, which was the practice of all
0: people Yeah, and was endorsed by his supervisor
1: <laughs> was so they could get work done more quickly. So oh, you won't be surprised stuff. to learn that Cleanway lost. Nobody was surprised by that. But it's an example of the type of thing that comes through. And we just thought we'd use that as a, a bit of a fun kickoff. Mm-hmm. But look, what do you do when someone comes to you, whether it's in safety or in HR? And I want to set the example of this. So, I want to say, there's a number of cases which say if an HR or a safety manager, but particularly HR manager, is aware of misconduct by a leader in a business who seeks to do something that is unlawful and does not raise their hand and seek to prevent it, does not advocate it, and it proceeds, they will have personal liability. Now, that doesn't mean you wrestle a leader to the ground and say, no, we're well, <laughs> not going to do it. But what it does mean is you need to say no and you need to document it and yeah. you need to say Why? So when you know someone's acting unlawfully in HR and safety and you're the responsible manager and you fail to say that is wrong and you fail to document it, understand personal liability waits for you under the Fair Work Act and under safety legislation, okay? And, by the way, under discrimination law as well. Yeah. So someone comes to you. Okay, Nina, I want to get rid of this dude.
0: (laughs) Dude! Oh my gosh. Yeah,
1: no, I picked that. Yeah, what did what did
0: he do? Oh, look, he
1: was late, and he's look, he's generally rude, and he's been a shocking employee.
0: Yeah, but where's your evidence? Where's the past history of all these incidents?
1: He's always been bad. It's always been incredibly difficult. Everyone hates
0: him. But there's nothing in writing, nothing like that, is there?
1: And oh, no, I've counseled him regularly.
0: Yeah, do you have any evidence? No, no, witnesses. No, no, no. no. This is the <laughs> such a common <laughs> example that we get all the time, and. It's really look. Don't get us wrong. It is an extremely difficult thing to.
1: And deal the HR with. manager ring is saying, yeah. "Oh my god, what do I do? I've got to get rid of this person." And we're going really.
0: Look, yeah, it's it's really really hard. But you should be doing all those things that I was saying: checking whether there is any performance management process in place, any history of any counselling, even if it was verbal. Were there witnesses to it? Was it any kind of record? Have they ever? been issued warnings, If has anyone else been accused of the same behaviour and let you let them go scot-free?
1: So the condemnation issue yeah. you've got to look at. But what I want you to think about then is, and this is, well, this is my advice, so I'm going to lose a bit of work out of this, is, <laughs> okay, say, so, all right, so line in the sand. You're not going to terminate, but what you are going to say is we're going to create a document that brings in the past counselling, yep. that identifies and creates evidence around it and says, look, this is a final warning.
0: Yeah, that's the only
1: way to get around and it. And then immediately put the performance improvement plan with a, with on the bottom, remember, all performance improvement plans say, please tell us whatever support or resource you need to be able to achieve this. You know, you're becoming a generous employer. So you've gone from being a capricious, headhunting employer to a generous, clear, precise, procedurally fair employer. Don't be drawn into the firing line, okay? Yeah. Because it is a disaster and you cannot win it. You can't win it if we look at... Was there a valid reason for termination? Mostly no in the cases that we get. But even yeah. if there is, would it be just? In other words, was there a good legal basis for doing it? An no. M- objective yeah, evidence yeah. to support would, it Would either. it be reasonable? No, no, it wouldn't be reasonable given the past conduct that existed. Would it be harsh overwhelmingly? So you fail on all four elements. You can't win. That's pure reinstatement. Okay? Yeah,
0: and then we have the other side where... You can be seen as victimisation and breach of general protections, especially if they've raised a concern or a complaint or anything. Which is normally, yeah, and this is
1: normally where it happens. Can I say this is where operations come to you and say, look, we spoke to this guy about, and he said, but it's unsafe. Yeah. And. So we've had some cases in the last few weeks about where the person did raise something that was unsafe. Mm. It actually was unsafe. That was the car park example, remember, yeah. where the woman raised it and they actually... And the
0: Woolies went. example too, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So remember, no matter how sensitised you are to a difficult person, when they come to HR, when they come to safety, because it could be either, yeah. ask them to step back. Yeah. Repeat the facts and say, so you're saying that this person you have no evidence of misconduct in the past, we, we can rely upon, should be terminated for this reason and they've raise these safety issues, which gives them a roll-goal chance of winning against you and I'm going to spend $50,000 going to court to have the person reinstated and then become untouchable afterwards. I just need to understand, is that what you're asking me?
0: Because <laughs> it always that, is. <laughs> and they go, yeah, yeah, I want to do it now.
1: <laughs> okay, so look, I, I guess from Nina and my point of view and the reason we put it on is... We really feel for safety in HR practitioners, but can I remind you again, if you don't advocate that, if you stay silent where there is unlawful behaviour and the unlawful behaviour is executed, there is personal liability. In adverse action, there's personal liability. Under safety law, there is personal liability. the Fair
0: Work Act, Section 550.
1: Yep. Discrimination Mm -hmm. law, personal liability. And it's not a good place to be.
0: No, it's not. But I also want to say in situations which we described where they raise a complaint and there is a other misconduct, you should still deal with that separately. That's the best way to get around it. Otherwise, you'll fall in the exact same yeah. trap.
1: so you can quarantine. Yeah. You can say, look, you've raised this. This is a legitimate issue, but please document it. Yeah. Go, look, you've raised this exactly. issue. We've investigated. We've done a risk assessment. We understand. And look, these are the options we'd like to consult with you and the HSR or whatever else we're going to do yeah. to try and fix this. But this conduct.
0: Yeah, we still have to manage. Yeah, we, we still is. have to manage. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, how's it feel out there, HRs at Safety Land? I hope we've, what, we, what we're trying to do for you today is to say you've got to own the new information that's coming through. You've got to lead, train and develop that capacity. And what you can't do is when you see that risk arise, be blind to it, particularly willfully blind and say, I won't say anything. You must advocate document and obviously, you're allowed to step back if people who own a business are willing to do dumb things. But the world around people management in legislation is creating positive duties of leadership throughout psychological health yeah. and particularly with vulnerable people.
0: Yeah, they're definitely cracking down. But if, like we said, if you take that, record that evidence, then that's enough to protect you
1: Yeah. Quick reminder, we will send out our map, but what the map will tell you is the effect of what codes and regulations are. So codes, as Nina has said, is evidence that can be drawn upon by a court to say, what is reasonably practical? A regulation, when it comes through in Victoria, is reasonably practical. It is a breach of it is per se a breach of a primary duty. Let's go to the case study.
0: All right. I hate that name, Andrew. Gendry. All right. Gendry was an electrical engineer at Big Space. Oh yeah, please don't read along, Andrew.
1: <laughs> um, I, I read aloud like this <laughs> last time. By the way, Gendry is a, a girl's name.
0: Yeah, okay a drone manufacturer. She started as a graduate working under Tom, a specialist in R&D. Tom had more than 30 years of experience and had been there when Big Space designed its first drone. When Tom resigned three years later, Gendry absorbed his work and now headed up the R&D department.
1: You know, I'm not reading any of this.
0: <laughs> Gendry and her partner, Prue, had fallen into regular arguments around Gendry's workload and conditions. She was undergoing IVF treatment at the Rainbow Fertility Clinic with little success, and their doctor advised that much of the trouble they were encountering was stress-related. Gendry approached her boss, Karen, it's always a Karen, to explain the situation and ask for help. She explained that she was working 65 hours a week and was falling behind. She woke up stressed every morning and struggled to sleep, feeling she was on a downhill trajectory. She said the long trip to work every day added an extra burden and 50% of her work could be done at home. Karen explained that there was little room for hiring someone else or a contractor as inputs were up and the head price of the units couldn't be lifted. The executive had also agreed that all leaders must be present every day to support their teams through this challenging time with COVID ramping up and inflation. Karen asked Gendry to wait three months to see how it goes before reviewing again. No risk assessment was undertaken. To stop arguments with Prue, who she knew was right, Gendry resigned. Prue promised to support her financially, leaving now meant Gendry lost all the parental benefits she would have got and it would make it difficult to secure re-employment at the same level in the future.
1: All right, we're off to the questions, so download Slido or...?
0: No, scan the QR code, Andrew. Come well, on, we're in 2022.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or, or do whatever it says. <laughs> the interesting part about this, while people are thinking, is what choice did Gendry really have?
0: No, she was kind of pushed into making a workers' comp claim or... Like, Doing
1: something, yeah. 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 She, and The Not only sure. choice, she couldn't come to work anymore because it was killing and they were asking to come to work in a high risk environment when they didn't need to.
0: For at least another three in months. months yeah. Yeah. So pretty it's pretty common requests though. It's, it's not
1: uncommon. Shocking. And we've seen again, we've dealt with it recently where employers said, look, we just we don't know what the future is. We don't have a lot of money. The cost is going up of everything and we aren't able to lift price. There's only alcohol around it. <laughs> there's only no alcohol. There's no water. And it's the alcohol that's causing it.
0: Yeah, there's an assumption, I think, that, look, if we've addressed it and we said, look, we hear you, but we'll, we'll put a pin in it, that's addressing it, and it's just not.
1: And this is what we talk about, psychological stress. Yeah. What's the leadership role in it? Okay, here we go to the questions. Was it reasonably practical to restructure January's role in the safety law? Now, let's just quickly, reasonable practicability, was there a hazard? Yes, Uncashable. definitely. Was the hazard a high risk? Yes, she okay. made it very clear, yes. So we go to the hierarchy of control, and that's how I draw that in there. <laughs> we go to the hierarchy we go, ah, the top of the hierarchy. When it's this high, our obligations are not mere administer of things, they are do something yeah. that stops it.
0: You have to consult with her and look at reviewing her work design. They didn't do any of that.
1: They didn't even do an assessment of whether there was risk, no. but clearly she spoke to it. So... It was reasonably practical, and our production manager is coming in with a glass of water before I die in front of you, which would be terrible. It shows that Sophie understands psychological injury. One second.
0: All right, so I'll go to the next question then. Please, two. Did Gendry have workplace rights and protected attributes around IVF, potential pregnancy, and raising a safety concern? So she definitely did. Safety concern is obvious. She made a complaint about her employment. So that is a workplace right to do so. But also protected attributes, she, around potential pregnancy, sex, sexual orientation, all of those are protected attributes and they definitely took, oh, that's the next one. Really.
1: Well, yeah, so the question <laughs> is she was had no difficulty with this discrimination play, yeah. claim because what they did caused a detriment. What I want you to think about, and I guess as lawyers we think about, it, is what is the choice points that Gendry had? Could she stay? And the answer is no. No. She'd reached a stage in her life where she realized she could no longer do it, and she told them that. And they said, No, stay. So, although yeah. it might look like an admission, it was actually an action which says, I'm not going to investigate what you say.
0: I'm going to refuse to do <laughs> anything. I'm going to refuse. Yeah.
1: And by refusing to do it, they did something. So the question is, did they take adverse action? And before we came on today, Nina and I had quite a strong debate about <laughs> whether it was. And the answer is. It's not actually clear, but it would be a basis that a good plaintiff lawyer's firm would bring, because the action is free. Yeah. It's got a reverse onus. Yeah. So you've got to prove that they're wrong. And I think any court seized with those facts would be so appalled by the behavior of Big Space that they would fight it.
0: Yeah. And then, in action then can I just say this is a,
1: a claim, yeah. when you look at this claim, under both discrimination law, particularly under the federal one and under adverse action. It's not just the loss of the entitlement. It's not just a loss of earning capacity. It's a loss of future earning. So her earning capacity would go like that. By losing the job, she's prevented from getting back into that thing for a long in that, that role for a long time, and that bit in the middle which I'm drawing for <laughs> you is a massive amount of money for a 40-year-old woman who's been put off a career
0: path. And it's uncapped as well. It's
1: uncapped. Yeah. So you're looking at claims in the million or more, not in the tens. Okay, so not clear that it's an adverse action, but could well be. We need a few more facts. But if I was a plaintiff lawyer, I'd be running it up the post.
0: Yeah, and it'd not be one you'd want to fight. You know, oh, that's to
1: running it up the mast, not the post. Just
0: <laughs> have to try and settle it.
1: All um, right. So there's no performance management going on here. but Jenry has raised in workers' comp terms that she is on the verge or is injured by her workplace and the workplace is unsafe. Yep. If she goes and sees a doctor, will the doctor give her a certificate?
0: Yeah, 100%. And she's Uh, got evidence from the other doctor too about the stress.
1: Yeah. So this is not defensible. So this isn't a performance management where reasonable management action sits behind, okay? there was no performance. So there is is no defence here. So if Nini came to me and I was managing a performance and she raised a whole lot of issues... And I did that reasonably. I have reasonable management action as a defence because there's three parts to it. There is did it arise at work, is it causing an injury, third, reasonable management action. But when it's not a performance management issue, there is no reasonable management action, and there certainly wasn't anyway. This is just pure liability. Yeah. In most jurisdictions, that would go into a common law claim afterwards. So it would go from workers' comp to common law. This is a winning common law claim. It is a massive common law claim. There you go. We've got through on two glasses of water. I really enjoyed having Nina along. She didn't bag me today, which is such a nice thing. I know, stat.
0: I thought it'd be nice to you That's us. good, yeah. I know,
1: and Matt's not here, you're better. But so high to all our crew out there listening, and thank you very much to our clients and friends who are tuning in every week.
0: And please react.
1: Yeah, please react. React like I am, too. React. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, so Cheers.